0: Welcome to Every Moment His, a podcast dedicated to contemplating how God's preached word impacts every moment of our lives. This sermon was preached at Holy Cross in Kearney, Nebraska, by Pastor Tim Barone. Mercy and peace be to each of you in the name of Jesus Christ, who sends his spirit uh, into our hearts to make us alive this day. Amen. Uh, I learned a, a new word recently, uh, acedia. It's kind of an interesting word, but ascidia is this kind of generic word that means kind of this listlessness or a dispassion for life. So, ascidia might be described, uh, described as someone who just uh, doesn't see the point of trying anymore, right? They, they're not really hot. They're not really cold. Uh, they're not. They never really get passionate about anything. They never really cry about anything. They never rejoice about anything. They're just drifting through life. Uh, we might think of, you know, the the young man who just doesn't have any drive to get a job, right? Doesn't have any drive to to go for it in life. It's just kind of saying, I don't know what the point is anymore. Or you might think of someone who's retired, kind of having that kind of crisis. Like, I just don't see the point of trying anymore. Nothing really changes. It's all just kind of the same. It's kind of this blasé, gray state of affairs. And I think uh, it's an interesting word because, first of all, I've experienced that. I think we all have to some degree. But I also think um, it's putting its finger on something that's particularly spiritual. A problem that's a particular spiritual problem. And that is not understanding our purpose in this world and in this life. And I think many of our era um, are just purposeless. And so they you know, they try to fill life with the next thing to buy on Amazon, right? This is why I just cruise... Uh, the cruise the ads all the time looking for something new to buy because that's the only place where we get our meaning. Uh, or they just pour themselves into career until it destroys them, destroys their families. Or they just pour themselves into one romantic relationship after the next because they're just looking for something that never presents itself. And so they, they've just kind of lost uh, any purposeful direction in their life and they're kind of just listless. And the spiritual um, error there, actually, the ancient church used to call this sloth. And usually we think of sloth as just laziness, but it's more than just laziness. Uh, Sloth was an inability or an unwillingness to pay attention to what God is doing. And so I think that's the modern equivalent is acedia, that, that word acedia is that we just don't understand what's going on because we've lost the beat, we've lost the story, uh, we, we kind of drift in this purposelessness. And I, I believe that the event of Pentecost is addressing this issue in us. Uh, if we look at the event of the cross, at the event of the cross, Jesus shed his blood for you. He forgave your sins through his work on the cross, he effaced your guilt, he took your shame upon himself, right? That's one issue that he dealt with. In the resurrection, Jesus took away your fear of death. Jesus took away the condemnation by showing you his resurrected body. So you don't have to fear death anymore, you don't have to be terrified by your mortality, but life and immortality has come to light through the person of Jesus Christ and his resurrection is the evidence of that. In Pentecost, in the, the dual events of the ascension of Jesus and the sending, the coming down of the Holy Spirit, we have a remedy for acedia. We have a remedy for the purposeless life. A life that just drifts until uh, death comes, right? A life that just disappears quietly into the night. This is a real spiritual issue, and the events of Pentecost address it. And I want to show you that in the text um, today. And so I want to think about this in maybe three ways. What does the Holy Spirit bring to us at the day of Pentecost? First is life. Uh, second is unity. And third is purpose. Ultimately, he brings us to a new purpose. And so let's think about that uh, great Ezekiel passage um, I don't know if we encounter this passage quite enough, but in Ezekiel, uh, Ezekiel sees this grand vision of this, this valley full of dead bones, right? And we kind of understand he, Ezekiel is a prophet talking to a broken nation. And so the, the dry bones, the dead valley, God will tell Ezekiel that these are the, the people of Israel, And first of all, they had been decimated in a lot of warfare, and their people had been scattered throughout the world, taken captive by Babylon. Uh, But in particular, in this image, we have a a deeper meaning to that. But what we see is uh, this valley of bones, and God says to Ezekiel, do you think these bones can live? And Ezekiel, very wisely, is humble, and he says, God, you know, (laughs) I don't know these things. Uh, And so God uh, tells him to prophesy to the bones, and so he does, and as he prophesies, they come back together, right? Uh, You know, the ankle bones connected to the shin bone, and the knee, so anyway, you get it, so it goes together, and they're actually created in front of him, just as in Genesis, right? God creates with his word and just forms these people back together with the prophecy that comes from his his prophet's mouth. And they come back together and skin and sinews, but it says they're still not alive until God says, breathe the life, prophesy to the wind so that it may breathe the life of God into them. And it's after that that they stand alive once again. When the Spirit of God breathes life into them once again and they're reinstalled with their purpose, they're standing again as God's holy army uh, put back together. And so, what should we get from this? Well, when we look at this, especially in the light of Pentecost, I think we should understand it in two way, two ways. First of all, um, God can reverse even death. There's a literal meaning to this. God can reverse even death. When, when doctors give up trying to resuscitate a patient, God can undo that. God can put people back together. He can breathe life back into them. And so this is what Jesus says uh, in the Gospel of John. He says, Truly, truly, I say to you, an hour is coming and is now here when the dead will hear the voice of the Son of God and those who hear will live. For as the Father has life in himself, so he has granted the Son also to have life in himself. So just as Ezekiel in the vision... Uh, resurrected the people by his words, Jesus, who always called himself the Son of Man, which was the nickname of Ezekiel, uh, Jesus will call all from the graves with his voice. Believers, non-believers, all people will come out of their graves at the, at the voice of Jesus. And we should rejoice in that uh, because our Lord will raise us from the dead. Uh, Also, we should especially rejoice and remember our baptisms and the Holy Spirit coming into our lives because Romans 6 says this, if the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, he who raised Christ Jesus from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through his spirit who dwells in you. And so the first thing we can think about is As the Spirit is revealed into the world, we have assurance of our own physical and literal resurrection. That we will live just as these bones live. That sinews and skin and flesh will come back onto us, literally by the mighty power of God Almighty, who is Jesus Christ, forever blessed, and by His Spirit that He has now sent into you today. And so if the Spirit dwells in you, which it does by promise and baptism, if God's Spirit is in you, God will raise your mortal body from the dead. Amen? And this is why we celebrate Easter. But possibly more importantly for today is the second part of this vision and this prophecy is when God sends his Spirit, he tells Ezekiel to prophesy to the wind, and the wind comes and fills them with the breath of God. And unites them once again. You see, the people of Israel, they had a mission from God. They were to be uh, God's servants in the world, the light to the nations. They were to be the promise bearers, the ones that God would bring uh, through Abraham's descendant, uh, someone to bless all nations. They were to be the one that through David's descendants, one would sit on the throne for all eternity. And so as Israel lay decimated, uh, so did the hope of Israel. So did the hope. It seemed like all of those promises had evaporated. But the second thing that God is saying with this vision is that that mission is not failed. That even though it looks like a failure, uh, and even though the people of Israel say, we're dried up, we're dead bones, we have no hope, God intervenes and puts things back on track. And he says, I will send my spirit into you, and bring you back together. And so when we see in the day of Pentecost, many years after this, we see the fulfillment of this vision. So the Spirit brings life uh, into the people of God, but also brings unity. And so here's what God says in that vision after he's raised them. Behold, I will open your graves and raise you from your graves, O my people, and I will bring you into the land of Israel, and you shall know that I am Lord. God raised the people of Israel in the vision, not for their own purposes, but to bring them back into the land He had promised, to continue the mission and the work of Israel. That has not failed. It's still going. And so, when we think about this, and we think about the, um, the mission when we see in the day of Pentecost, is the continuation of the mission of Israel. It looked like it had failed. It looked like it was scattered. It was done. But with the work of Jesus and the coming of the Holy Spirit, once again, we see God gathering the people of Israel to where? Back to Israel. So in the day of Pentecost, it's a feast. And people from all over the world who were believers, devout men, it says, had come together for this feast. It was a harvest festival and a feast uh, celebrating the giving of the Ten Commandments. And as they all come back to Jerusalem, right, this is when God pours out His Spirit on His people. And, you know, I'm always kind of joking with anyone who's reading uh, this Acts text because there's so many hard words to say in it right? It's like Pamphylia and Figra and Cyrene and all these things and people dread that reading, right? (laughs) Because of all the difficult names. But what is God doing? He's taking people from all over the known world, all different languages, all different walks of life, different places, different people, and now he's uniting them in one place once again. Does everyone see that? And think about this, What are the things that cause fights in your household? Isn't most of it a language barrier issue? Isn't most of it a miscommunication issue? Isn't most of it a male language versus female language issue? Or a parent language versus kid language issue? That our words, when they're twisted and we can't understand them, it causes us to be disunited And in fact, this is why God scattered the languages of the people at Babel, because they were trying to rise up together, all united, and kind of give the thumb to God, raising up a huge tower so that he could not erase their name from the earth after the mighty flood. And God scattered their languages so their purpose would be scattered as well, and it worked pretty well. Keeps working to this day. But what we see in the event of Pentecost is the opposite of Babel. We see God gathering people together and uniting them under one language. Now they can speak to each other. Now they can hear one message, one purpose. Now they're all on the same page. And it's amazing in this uh, this, um, episode that all these people from all over the world, they all come together, they hear the mighty works of God in their own languages they're all baptized into the name of Jesus for the forgiveness of their sins and given the gift of the Holy Spirit, and they just moved to Jerusalem. It it says in Acts, they they were baptized, 3,000 of them in one day, baptized, and then they all just hung out in the temple. And it doesn't say anything else. It says, they all were of one heart and one mind, enjoying this unity and caring for one another. And so what God is doing is bringing His scattered people back together and also adding to them those who are not of Jewish descent, bringing all people together under one banner, one purpose, one mission, and that is the church. Uh, I'm fond of reminding people that this world has no future. These nations in this world have no future except to become the church. There is one grand mission that this world is going through. There is one grand mission from God, and that is to bring all people under the lordship of Jesus Christ. And that's the mission that we're engaged in today. And so finally, let's look at purpose. The Spirit of God brings us life. He brings the life of God back into us. He brings unity to us as he unites us in one people, with one language, and he gives us a new purpose. I mentioned uh, that word asadia in the beginning, this kind of sense of listlessness, not being concerned, not understanding, not being clued into what God is doing. And I want to encourage you, if you understand this, if you allow the Spirit to breathe into you today, if you understand what God is doing, You cannot fall into this kind of listlessness anymore in your life. You can't. If you understand the grand narrative that you are being pulled into through the Spirit of God, the mission of God to save the world, the mission of God to renew all things, to cleanse sinners, to bring them humbly into His stead, the mission of God to uplift the needy and the poor, to bring justice to the nations, you cannot fall into this stupor and depression in your life. You cannot fall victim to a sadia or anything like it. Because with the Spirit of God, we are being swept up into this grand mission of Jesus. And I want to think a little bit about Jesus' words and what he's saying to us. So, in the Gospel, uh, before he went up into heaven, Jesus said this, to his disciples. He says, Truly, truly, I say to you, whoever believes in me will also do the works that I do and greater works than these he will do because I am going to the Father. You ever stumbled on those words? He says, when I'm gone, the people who believe in me, they're going to do greater works than I have done. Now, think about the great works that Jesus did. Have you ever raised someone from the dead? No, have you ever uh, brought uh, a crippled man back to his standing posture? (laughs) Maybe some doctors in here, right, have done something like this. Have you ever caused a man born blind to see again? Or walk on the water? Or turn water into wine? Jesus says what seems to be impossible. How can we do greater things than what Jesus did when he was walking on the earth? Just hold on to that. And let's look at something else that he says. He says, nevertheless, I tell you the truth. It is to your advantage that I go away. For if I do not go away, the helper will not come to you. This is what I think um, Jesus is saying. There's this grand um, sculpture uh, outside of London it's by an artist named Anthony Gormley. It's called Quantum Cloud, and you can kind of see why it's named that. It just looks like kind of this random arrangement of welded pieces of steel all put together. Um, and if you look at it, you can't really tell what's going on. But if you came around the corner, you would see that it's not a random sculpture, right? But there's something in there. There's a figure of a man in this massive uh, multi-story uh, sculpture. And I think this is kind of the thing that Jesus is saying. When, when Jesus was walking on the earth like you or me, he could be in one place, Samaria or Jerusalem. Uh, he could be at one time, right? 30 AD. He was in one time in one place. But when Jesus ascended into heaven, it says that he ascended to fill all things. And God gave him as head over all things, to you, to the church. And when he sent his Holy Spirit, it's kind of like he lit the fuse of the detonator. That all of the work that Jesus had done, planting his word into the world, sending out his word into our hearts like seeds, when the Holy Spirit came down, it was like the, the match that lit the dynamite. That no longer was Christ only in one place, but now by His Spirit, He is in all places, in all times, in all of His Christians. Anywhere a Christian is, the mission of Jesus Christ lives. And so if you understand this, if you understand the magnitude of what you have been swept up in, in the day of Pentecost, you can never fall into listlessness. You can never say, it doesn't really matter what happens. In the gospel, you have been called to something phenomenal. You have been spared from acedia. You will always have something to cry about in your life. You will always have something to rejoice over in your life. You have a great adventure that you have been called to. You are not destined to just grow old and die in this life. You are not destined to go quietly into the night as if you had no purpose Christ himself has taken up residence in you, and your purpose is his purpose from now on. You're not on the sideline. You're in the game. What you do in this life matters. And could there be any higher calling on your life than incorporating into yourself the work of Jesus Christ? Is there any greater adventure that you can imagine that being that is being called on the mission of bringing grace to a broken world bringing light into the darkness bringing life where there is death can you imagine anything as a greater calling than that all of our lives all of our goals all of our aims in this life ultimately without this goal are fruitless they're dust in the wind But with this goal, with the work of Jesus continuing in the church, with Him putting His Spirit inside of you so that you now go out to preach, you now go out to teach, you now go out as little Christs into the world, you will always have a mission that's worth living for and worth dying for. You will never have a day in your life where it's not worth getting up. Because Jesus Christ is risen, he's glorified, blessed forever, and he sends his spirit into your heart. Pentecost tells us you have been called, you have been chosen, you have been included by God in the greatest adventure the world has ever seen. Every other adventure points to this one. And why is that the case? The mission of God is not dead, it is alive. The Spirit of God brings us to life. There is, we have been called to a living hope, says St. Peter. The Messiah, the Christ, the Lord of all creation is present wherever his church is as he unifies us together. Today, the heartbeat of Christ continues in his people. The word of Christ continues throughout the world with his words to continue the work of the good news. There is no greater adventure and you have been called to it. And because of that, we have good reason to rejoice. We have good reason to be strong because Christ is risen and also he is living in you. Amen.